Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. It's episode 27. Where does the time go? Wade's out this week and, you know, it's January, guys. So while nothing really imminent is about to happen or nothing has been happening the last several weeks, not since that flurry of Preller activity we got around the winter meetings, it seems like we're probably done with the big activity for the winter. Um, the winter leagues haven't been super exciting. We're all just kind of hoping Franchi Cordero escapes healthy. I think that's all you can pretty much ask for from him at this point. He's proven at the next level. We know what he can do. So just stay healthy, my guy. But spring training, shockingly, just around the corner. The Padres open up play February 22nd. Man, that's early. Playing the Mariners in Peoria, obviously. Um, man, that just seems so early. That's like a month and a half away. Anyway, we'll have a ton of talk about as we get closer and closer to spring training. And then some really fun spring training battles during March. So left field um, is probably just Tommy Pham, but then there's center field, right field, catcher, second base. Um, in the meantime, we're going to bring in our guest for today's show, and that's Kyle Glazer, Mr. San Diego himself. Before we get to Kyle, the people wanted it, and here it is. It's a, another Manscaped ad. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have Wade to read this one today. So it's going to be a lot smoother than last week's. It's 2020. And you know what that means? New year, new me, new balls. Men, listen up. Harry Bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick up any New Year's resolution this year, I guess, I guess this could be it. Let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0, that's a that's an aggressive name for that thing, um, has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just dirty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already putting deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on your balls? Get 20% off, free shipping, with the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. All right, friend of the show, Kyle Glazer is with us, San Diego's prodigal son. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer. Read all of his stuff at Baseball America. Kyle, thank you so much for coming back on. First things first, we had some semi-interesting uh, breaking news before the show started today. Uh, Matt Libertor heading to St. Louis, um, according to Jeff Passan, along with low-level catching prospect someone and comp pick B for Jose Martinez, Randy Arozarena, and comp A pick going to Tampa. Uh, what's your gut response to this deal and who do you like it better for? 
mean, I like it for both teams. The Rays getting some outfield help. Uh, you know, Martinez can match lefties. Or Rosarena is a, a really, you know, good def, def, you know, speed and defense type of center fielder. Really can play all three outfield spots. Um, you know, while the Cardinals, while they have a good system, one thing they didn't really have was was a top flight starting pitching prospect. Um, Ryan Helsley and Genesis Carrera are their two top pitching prospects, but uh, both probably end up in the bullpen. You know, Libertor gives them a young, you know, promising pitching prospect they can count on, you know, potentially two or three years from now as much as you can count on a pitching prospect. So uh, I actually kind of like it for both sides. It makes sense for both. And, uh, you know, both teams, you know, the Cardinals have some outfield depth. And I think they're still, you know, equally a contender today as they were before the deal as the reigning NL Central champions, whereas the Rays, you know, are once again going to be right in the thick of a playoff race. They had pitching prospects to burn. And I think both teams gave up talent without hurting their long-term outlook um, while also improving, you know, just some, some areas of need within their organizations. It might just be me, but I've always liked Libertor kind of from a distance. And then when the Rays decide they are okay moving Libertor, it makes me rethink my whole stance on Libertor. Are, are, are the Rays an organization like that for you too when they decide – to move on from a, a really high level prospect, you start questioning that prospect. No, not at all. Actually, um, you know, I just wrote a piece about this uh, on Baseball America. If you go back, the Rays for most of the decade have actually been one of the worst organizations in baseball at drafting. Um, they had two big hits with Blake Snell and Kevin Kiermaier, but uh, when it comes to the draft, they've actually been pretty terrible. Um, you know, there's maybe some hope here at the end with Brandon Lau and Nate Lowe, uh, Brendan McKay. Um, you know, with Libertor, I mean, I, I think, you know, just the fact that the Rays decided they want to trade him doesn't mean anything. I mean, the Rays have traded plenty of good players who, you know, they, you know, as much as they're a really good organization, um, they, they've missed plenty. So I think this is a move where you, you don't judge it as something, a, a knock on Libertor at all. You judge it as, they needed to get, you know, big league help. Uh, and to do that, they traded a, a very good pitching prospect. I mean, that's, that's a lot of times that's the price of, of help and also moving up about 40 spots in the draft. And I don't see this as a knock on Libertor at all. I just see it as the Rays, you know, making a move to, to try and get better. And, you know, Libertor is going to go to an organization in the Cardinals that has a, a very, very good track record of identifying uh, promising prospects and developing them to their fullest potential. So I don't see it as a knock in any way. So you just released, uh, you and Baseball America just released uh, the Padres' top 10 offseason uh, prospects list, and you're you're slowly releasing all the teams kind of one by one. Um, did you do that list by yourself, or did you have some help on that? So, I mean, I, I'm the Padres guy here at BA, so I put together the list. I do all the legwork on it. I do all the write-ups. But there's always a little bit of a collaborative process. You know, we, we run names by, you know, other members of the staff, um, you know, some of our our uh, other employees, you know, uh, cover the draft, Carlos Colazzo, he has, you know, a lot of info on the draft guys. Um, you know, Matt Eddy is kind of our analytics guy. He can help run through some, some models and some analytics to find some, you know, numbers that either help a prospect's cause or, or maybe hurt it a little bit. Um, if it differs from some of the scouting reports. So, um, you know, it is me, it's, it's my list. I make the ultimate call. Um, but there is a lot of collaboration with other members of the staff. It has to be a really fun list to make, uh, even though the back end, I'm sure, is pretty difficult. The back end of the top 10, that is. Uh, lots of really interesting names in that 10 to 20 range. Um, find the whole list at BaseballAmerica.com. I encourage everyone to go check it out. And we're not going to go through the entire list, obviously, but starting at the top, I just one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was Luis Patino versus C.J. Abrams. 
Um, what was the the ultimate separation between those two guys, and what had Patino ultimately coming out on top? Uh, as a 19-year-old who reached double A with three potential plus pitches and a ton of athleticism, um, you know, I think that in a lot of times that the prospect world, people just kind of jump on the the newest flavor of the month uh, and forget about the other guy, even if the other guy has yet to, you know, reach triple A. Um, CJ Abrams is an incredibly talented young man. He's got a lot of promise, a lot of potential, but to be honest, it, it wasn't that close. I mean, Luis Patino, what he did the futures game last year on a national stage showed everyone what he's capable of. Uh, this is a potential, you know, front of the rotation starter, number two starter, maybe number three, uh, who again, that the youth, the level he's at, um, there's been a, there's a long, long line of, of prospects who look great in rookie ball, get to full season ball and, and things start to fall apart. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to CJ Abrams. Again, we clearly believe in him. We put some pretty big grades on him um, and we think he's going to be a very, very good player. But, um, you know, Patino's got, you know, similar to equal upside uh, as a pitcher, as Abrams does as a position player. And he's already, you know, shown he can conquer two levels of full season ball. So it was actually a, a fairly clear, hey, he's number two. And there wasn't a whole lot of debate about that from evaluators, either inside or outside the Padres organization. I thought it was a little strange seeing two guys that are pretty much locks in the bullpen to be in a, in a top 10. I, I, you don't see a lot of bullpen arms, I guess, in top 10s from organizations that have, you know, the, the top one or two farm systems so that's Andres Munoz and Michelle Baez. Those are two relievers for you, right? And you don't see one of them being a starter. That's probably two relievers. Munoz, for sure. The Padres have some faith uh, in Baez, you know, still maybe starting. I do think he's a reliever in the end. But you, know, you go and look at most top tens. The, the truth is, uh, you see, if you see four or five starters in there, all our three of them are going to end up as relievers. And if, you know, that's almost every organization, even if the team doesn't realize it yet. Um, the Padres have just, you know, made the move with with those two guys. These are still two premium arms that are major league ready, that are, you know, potentially going to help this team. I shouldn't say potentially that are going to help this team this year. That's hugely valuable. I think, especially in today's day and age. Sorry, it's my dog whining in the background. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is UPS. it dinner time? Uh, no, the UPS driver. Um, oh. <laughs> um, you know, again, I think it's something. You know, one of the this is a bigger discussion, but I think one of the the biggest flaws and you know the way people kind of do prospect evaluation is it's is it's detached from major league value which is really the only thing it should be attached to and having a potential eighth inning guy and a potential lights out closer uh, those are two hugely valuable things teams pay a lot of money for in the open market um and if you you know the ultimate goal at ba is we want you to pick up the 2020 prospect handbook 10 years from now and say hey the top 10 guys those are the 10 guys that have the best and most fruitful major league careers um, of this entire list. And when you take into account the electricity, both of those guys uh, have in their arms, uh, their backgrounds, as well as the fact they're already in the majors, as much as you can dream on, you know, a guy like a Hudson head or a guy like a Joshua Mears, you know, these are kids in rookie ball that were not slam dunk first rounders. You know, Hudson head was a huge pop-up guy and the, the track record of huge pop-up guys is actually not very good. Mears is very much a boomer bust type. Uh, he could be great, but he also could not get out of double A. So it, it actually, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. That's been a reaction of a lot of people. When in reality, those two were slam dunk top 10. I actually wanted to run Munoz up higher. I dropped him a little bit because of the, some of the reliever only fears. Um, these are two impact big leaguers. And that's, you know, 
every organization pays money for those types of talents and the Padres are lucky to have them. So do, who did you personally hate to leave off the top 10 the most? I mean, I think Joey Cantillo. I really, you know, there were 11 candidates for the top 10 here. That was really it. Um, Joey Cantillo really showed that he's got a lot of promise and a lot of things to work with. Uh, last year, you know, he was one of the best pitchers in the Midwest League, made it up to Elsinore. And even though he was a 2017 draft, he was younger than a lot of the kids taking in 2018, uh, same age as them, I should say. So he's younger than pretty much everyone in his draft class. Um, he's 19, he's in high A, he's still growing into more velocity. He's got a, a really, really good uh, out pitch in his changeup. The breaking ball's coming along. Uh, you know, again, we talk about, you know, the goal is take a step back and say, okay, who are the 10 guys in the system right now that 10 years from now are going to have the best major league careers? I feel pretty confident that, you know, the top eight are all going to have really good careers. Number nine, I, I believe enough that there will be a career in there. Um, and then number, if you ask me number 10, you know, Cantillo versus Weathers, I cannot tell you with any enormous conviction that I would pick Weathers over Cantillo, but uh, we went that way just given Weathers' pure stuff. But but I think there's a very real chance Joey Cantillo is going to make me look very bad for this list down the road. I hope you're right. Um, I've been playing with him in a lot of trade scenarios this offseason as a guy I wouldn't mind trading. He still has a lot of value. But um, yeah, I've been a big fan of his uh, since I heard about him earlier in the season. Um, we'll get you out of here on this. I know you're pressed for time tonight. Continuing to stroke my Padres' interest in reading and watching any national coverage of the Padres that I can – I really enjoyed Matt Eddy's uh, little piece on Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Juan Soto, basically setting up them up as the next big trio that will dominate for the next decade, comparing them to the trio of Trout, Harper, Machado from 2012, the mid-90s trio of A-Rod, Garcia, Parra, and Jeter. Which trio do you think ends up being the best when it's all said and done? I mean, it's it's hard to beat, you know, Trout, Machado, um, Harper. I mean, Mike Trout is is literally the greatest baseball player anyone alive has ever seen. I mean, you have to go, well, maybe, I guess you Barry could. Bonds would be the only guy I could think of that would challenge that. Trout has actually outdone Bonds in every major category through this mm. th- through this age. Uh, the only, I mean, the only name that compares to Trout through this age is actually, you know, you have to go back to Ty Cobb. Um, yeah. this is, this is he, you know, Griffey bonds, trout's on outdone all of them. You know, you're, you have to go back to, you know, mantle maze, that era of guy. And then really before that, that the real answer is Ty Cobb. So, um, you know, and, and Harper for whatever his flaws is still a really, really good player who has an MVP award and has shown the ability to put a team on his back and carry it. Uh, Machado obviously is, is finishing up the decade as, as one of the better third basemen in baseball and still young, still has another, you know, at least five, six, seven years ahead of him. Um, you know, Jeter Garcia Parra, you know, Tejada was a great group as well. Jeter, you know, you have one Hall of Famer there in Jeter and, you know, Garcia Parra was great until he got hurt. Tejada was an MVP. Uh, I just think that that middle group is, is you have to give that the edge right now as, as great as Acuna and Tatis and, and Soto are. Um, you know, Tra- Trout's the the carrying guy there, and it, there's no one as as great as they all are. Trout's on a level by himself, and I, I don't think you can pick any of them to match him. As good as Acuna is, um, you know, you even look at just what Trout did his age twenty season; it was still even beyond what Acuna did. So for me, that that's the edge is that trio. But you know, you're talking about three trios of special talents that baseball fans should just you know sit back and appreciate because they don't come around very often. That's totally fair and very hard to project the guys that are 20 years old to compete with, you know, the Hall of Famers. But 
Um, last time we had you on, I pressed you on Acuna versus Soto versus Tatis, and you took Soto. There's still time for you to fix that if you want. Yeah, I mean, I think you again. I go back. You know, you take the bat. Um, I'm, I'm not. There's you know, as as good as you know Acuna and Tatis are. I mean, again, you go back to Soto and, and what he's done at the level he's done it at, the ages he's done it. Um, you know, we are talking about someone that, you know, again, the, the highest OPS anyone, a teenager ever posted since, you know, Mel Ott comes out, you know, back again, his age 20 year and he outdoes it. I mean, for, you know, while starting, you know, left field for a World Series champion um, and he keeps getting better defensively, he keeps growing as a hitter. Again, uh, you're, you're, you would happily take all three of them. Um, but I mean, my answer, I mean, we talked about this, I think at the end of the season, I don't know why anything would necessarily have changed. I mean, you just kind of, you know, map it out. I mean, Soto, as good as Acuna has been, you know, Soto out, out hit him last year, just straight up out hit him, you know, as a left-handed hitter, um, and amazing as Fernando Tatis is, and he still has room to get better. I think there's definitely, you know, room for him to continue to grow, uh, not just as a defender, which a lot of people are focusing on, but even as a hitter, which is a scary thought given all his ability. Um, you know, Soto just has a much longer track record, um, you know, having had 266 career games at this point, having had the league see him a second time through, having powered through the sophomore slump that afflicts a lot of players. Um, I think given the information we have today, you, you still have to go with Soto. And you, of course, we're just messing with you. I don't mind the Juan Soto pick at all there. There's no wrong pick there, but uh, biased, of course, um, on the show. But Kyle, we'll let you get out of here. Thanks as always for coming on and talking Potter's prospects. We'll get some broader prospect talk next time, maybe, because I love talking prospects and we tend to just focus on the Potteries. But maybe we get you on before the season starts. Follow him at Kyle A. Glazer on Twitter. And uh, Kyle, thanks again. Um, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much again for Kyle coming on the show. I always have a good time talking to him. And hopefully the audience enjoys listening to him and they get to learn something as well. And he's from San Diego. I mean, there's a good connection there. Knows his stuff. Expand your minds. You stubborn Potteries fans, different opinions, not a bad thing. Um, but I guess arguing is all we can do until the season starts, but Hey, let's remember we're all on the same side. doesn't matter who's right. All that matters is the Padres do well. That's my message of peace for the day. That's shout out to Padres Twitter. Stop arguing guys. Feels good. Anyway, before we get to the end of the show and my locks of the week, which have been fire if you've been paying attention for the last nine weeks, we got to read from my bookie. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've just seen what our teams are capable of this season. Now it's time to get your last bets in before the Super Bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots give themselves another ring? No. Spoiler alert. This, this copy's old. I bet you have a feeling, and uh, like I did, bet the Titans' money line, which paid off nicely. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sportsbook to make some bets for the bowl games, there's one on Monday, I've heard, LSU playing Clemson. MyBookie is where you want to go. Football's not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all from the NBA to the Premier League. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. Call that a parlay. Let's say you got a couple big favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. The old money line parlay. Tried and true. My bookie has more lines, better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit 
$2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All I have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash, extra cash from my bookie. Bet win, get paid. Target locked. So before we get out of here, thanks for my thanks to my bookie for setting up uh, my favorite segment of the week. That is lock of the week. I am magically nine and zero. It's been a tremendous run for me. My bonus tease last week failed thanks to New Orleans, who I'm sure ruined everyone's money line parlays and teasers. But my lock, Seattle, advanced. Thank you, Carson Wentz. Or I guess thank you, Jadavion Clowney. Wins a win. Wade lost again, taking Buffalo. Wade's the coldest I've ever seen him. Um, it was either a push if you had Buffalo uh, or you lost, depending on where you got the line. I had it at two and a half. Um, I think Wade had it at two and a half. Or no, I think we Wade had it at three last week, but I didn't see it higher than three. So best you did was push. Anyway, just fade Wade is the moral of the story. My lock this week, NFL playoffs, of course. This was a tough one. Um, all the lines are pretty big right now. I think the lowest line is Seattle at Green Bay. It's only four points. But I am taking Baltimore at home versus the Titans, who are coming off the win of their season easily and probably the biggest win since the Music City Miracle. Titans have done nothing but been irrelevant for the last decade. But the weather is going to be shockingly good in Baltimore for this game. Tennessee will not be able to keep up with Baltimore scoring points. I think it's that simple. It's a nine-point spread right now. Baltimore laying the nine. Uh, Tennessee doesn't score quickly. Um, if it, I mean, we saw them dominate the game pretty much, I think, with uh, New England, even though it was relatively low scoring. I don't think they can keep up with Baltimore. If Baltimore gets a 10-point lead, Tennessee's not going to be able to catch up. And then I think it could get out of hand in the second half. And I'm thinking two scores decides this game. Um, and Baltimore wins fairly comfortably. It might be kind of a close game uh, for most of, the, most of it, but... Um, Late point magic is going to help cover this. I mean, we're not losing, guys. So take take Baltimore and lay the nine points. Uh, bonus pick, LSU on Monday. I like LSU. Um, they're six and a half points right now, favored. Uh, I'm fine laying those points. I think Baltimore win, or uh, LSU wins by the touchdown at least. Um, they're a force of nature this year. They're not going to lose. Um, and Clemson's just been back in their way in they, they should have lost last week. They're not as good as Ohio State. They're not as good as LSU. I don't see them uh, getting uh, striking oil twice um, in uh, back-to-back games. So LSU is your bonus pick. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter accounts, at FireFarmans. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms. You're listening to, to us on one of those platforms right now. Examples are iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to Believe and Padres Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan Hart. See you guys next week. Toward your destination. But what stood out during the season was his personal war with Mets rookie Pete Alonso. When Alonso won Rookie of the Month in April, Paddock said, quote, does he deserve the award? Absolutely. But I'm coming for him. We'll see who the top dog is, unquote. Paddock got the short-term win, striking out Alonso twice. 
whose team is going to be better next year? Because the Padres are one They're of those good. teams that people have an eye on thinking they can make the jump. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.